from the ground up, from from executive leadership to frontline, how do we serve the people that we are dedicated to as an organization? Welcome to Action This, practical wisdom from experienced management pros, a podcast series featuring a stacked roster of industry guests dishing about what it really takes for brands to thrive. All right, welcome everyone to the Action This podcast by Chatter. I am your host, Zach Hamilton, and I am so excited to continue part two of this discussion with Tom Winring. Tom and I had a great uh, discussion really around the six pitfalls of customer experience and really what's stifling the progress of brands really becoming customer-centric, customer-led, um, putting ourselves on our own island. If you if you listen to it, um, you know that that Tom loves all six of those uh, pitfalls equally because they're his kids. <laughs> um, if you haven't listened to it, go back listen to it. There's also a link to the article on our on the ChatterResearch.com website. Click on podcast. Go to Tom's handsome handsome face and click on it, and you will see it. But Tom. Before I bring you back in, real quick, Tom is an incredible CX leader. Um, he works uh, for McKinsey's Global CX Practice, where focuses primarily on organizational-wide CX design and customer success capability programs. And that is what we're talking about today, Tom. So, hey. so we've already talked about all the different pitfalls. We've talked about here's all the challenges um, for CX professionals today, especially around connecting the dots, influencing their organization, um, being badass professionals that blow everything up in order to drive innovation. So I want to start very, very simple. What do you mean by capability building? Yeah. It's a great question, and one that honestly is is often, I think, misunderstood. Uh, so there is a reason why we use the term capability building rather than learning program, right? I think t- typically in every organization, you've got online learning programs, and you take this digital course, and uh, you do you spend an hour, and you basically click through it, right? You don't really pay attention, um, and then you move on with your life. Capability building somewhat differently is is really meant to be all about behavior change, right? So it actually is meant to drive true impact on individuals' personal and professional lives to help them to understand uh, core core concepts, core topics, um, whether that's in operations, in customer experience, sales, what have you, right? To be able to to more effectively do their jobs. So what does that look like tactically? Um, a really strong capability building program has three different things that, that we uh, typically talk about. The first is um, acquire, so acquisition of knowledge, and that can come in the form of live workshops, it can come in the form of digital courses, it can come in the form of um, uh, uh, like different assessments, right? The, the second is uh, apply, which is all about, okay, you've got this knowledge now, let's actually take it to your day-to-day. And the way we typically look at that in, in, in a capability building program is first apply it in a really safe and simple way through theoretical practice. And then secondly, apply it to an actual capstone project or an actual project you're working on. And then the final piece is sustain, right? And so that's sustainment, I think is actually the most important. As we know, transformations don't actually end. Um, similarly, capability, does, capability building does not actually end. So that sustainment mechanism is all about how do you have uh, coaching embedded into your organization to make sure that there is an ongoing discussion about the topics that, that people just talked about? 
um, how do you actually have ongoing maybe nudges or, or additional opportunities to learn in a, in a micro setting? And these can be things like articles or podcasts or videos, right? Um, so those three elements that acquire, apply, and sustain are really pivotal to capability building programs. And that is where I spend the bulk of my time. It took me a while to get here, but it's the thing that I, I love most because you really get to see as I said earlier, the direct personal and professional impacts on, on people. Oh my gosh. Do you like speaking to my love language right now? Hey, that's you know, cause, if you, cause if you think about it, right. And, and we see this all the time. We hire a brand new employee. Um, we, we stick them on LMS training videos for a week or two weeks. And then we just expect um, we've just built all the skills and knowledge that you need over all these videos now you can go out and be the biggest rock star ever. <laughs> and, and then training ends. Yep. Right. Think about that. Yeah. Training ends. And then we wonder why we're not delivering the best customer or employee experiences. We wonder why, you know, we have uh, inconsistencies in the way that we execute. Uh, and I love what you're saying is capability building is significantly different, right? It never ends. Yep. There's always different capabilities that have to be built, especially as our brands and our organizations, we continue to mature or we change business models or um, we acquire, uh, you know, different technology pieces to, to help us maybe with last mile logistics or whatever it may be. Like you're never finished with building capabilities. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I think actually one of the reasons why I'm so drawn to it is to me, capability building and, and building your own capabilities comes back to curiosity and curiosity comes back to innovation. You can't be innovative as, a, as an organization. You can't drive next level improvements to your, to, to your customer's experience if you don't have that inborn, that in, kind of embedded curiosity within you. And so to me, as an organization to prioritize continuous learning and uh, an improvement, is pivotal to, to all of those other things that we talked about around customer experience. Yeah, I'm curious, Tom, you know, we're talking about um, really building the capabilities organizationally. And I'm curious in your mind, um, what happens if there isn't a focus on building everyone within your organization's capabilities, right? So what I find too many times is, we want to build these capabilities, but we're only going to do it with our store support center or corporate office folks, right? Because we don't want to disrupt frontline employee operations. Yep. So there's like there's like that. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna build all these capabilities here, but leave operations alone because you know we don't want to disrupt them. We don't want to put too much on their plate. Um, what happens when the organization gets out of balance with the capability building? So I think a few things. Going back to, to our last conversation, we, we, there were two main points that I think are really pivotal here. The first is the idea of, uh, of having that central vision. If you don't, if you've got a central vision and maybe everyone understands that vision, but not everyone can actually do the job they need to do to achieve that vision, the organization as a whole will break down, right? It goes back to the whole weakest link element. So by not actually building everyone's capabilities, by not focusing on the front line and on yourself as an executive, right? it goes both ways. You as an organization, yes, you'll achieve some goodness, but it won't be as good or as great as you could have been. 
The second piece, going back to our last conversation around CX on an island, oftentimes I think, especially in a CX context, we see we see organizations understanding, yes, we need to train our product managers and our CX practitioners and our design teams on best practice CX and design, which is great. But by just focusing on those practitioners, again, you kind of isolate them on their own island, right? You relegate them to other status instead of embedding them across the entire team and, and making sure that everyone across the organization speaks the same language and can can use some of the artifacts and some of the um, the concepts that those CX practitioners are are creating, like personas, journey maps, et cetera, in their day-to-day, which is obviously pivotal to having that customer-centered culture. Yeah, and, and I love what you were just mentioning too about the cross-functional stakeholders, because if you think about the largest cross-functional stakeholder is the front line. 100%. Think about the different verticals, retail, hospitality, restaurant, and name them. Yep. They are the largest cross-functional stakeholder and I always say your employees' behavior is your brand experience. It doesn't matter what your CMO says is your brand experience or your brand promise and you, and you, you know, go to market with um, all these great commercials, brand building commercials. At the end of the day, people remember how you made them feel, not what you heard. And it's the employees at the front line who are the ones who really have the responsibility of delivering great experiences, leaving you feeling emotionally attached, right? Totally. Infatuated or uh, that's what, and, and, and doing that consistently over time is what builds loyalty now because you're building trust. Um, and so I'm curious in your mind, why do brands continue to to, and I say it's intentional, intentionally not involved, involve the largest stakeholder group, which is the frontline employee. Is it because they don't want to disrupt operations? Is it because they don't know how to do it? Like they don't have the right capabilities put into place? Like you're my spirit animal. So tell me, give me the answer. <laughs> I, I think so many things. In some respects, I think it comes back to the need for broad-based, full organizational capability building. So when I see executives who don't see the value in, in training the front line, to me, that tells me that they haven't actually gone through and built their own capabilities. Because if they had built their own capabilities, especially in a CX context, they would see the relevance and the importance of involving the front line, to your point. Um, and so... I don't I, I don't know if it's like I would never want to put the blame right on on the executive team, but I would just encourage again that that sense of curiosity and seeing the importance, the value of starting with yourself and improving yourself. And then once you do, you'll see the importance of improving the other, including your frontline teams. I, I you're you I love your LinkedIn post, by the way. And one of the the themes that I see in your LinkedIn posts are interactions you have with Starbucks employees. Mm-hmm. And actually every time that I go to Starbucks now, I actually think about your LinkedIn posts because you you kind of you talk a lot about the frontline experience at, at Starbucks and how the employees know you on a personal level and they've welcomed you back into stores after really difficult times in your life. And and similarly, like I've had a few incredible experiences in the last few weeks at Starbucks whenever I've gone. And to be honest with you, before I saw your LinkedIn posts, Mr. Influencer himself, uh, I I hadn't gone to Starbucks in a long time. And then I've I've 
gone back and I'm happy I did because clearly Starbucks as an organization is prioritizing exactly what you and I are talking about because every frontline worker that I've talked to there has just been, I've left feeling like my day is better as a result of not even necessarily just the coffee, which is obviously true, but also just the interaction that I have with those employees. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one, I'm just enamored that you actually touched. Uh, read my post. Um, and I, and I love, like, I love to call out, Hey, here's the frictions that I'm experiencing. Right. I shared on LinkedIn of this retailer that really just frustrated me because like I am a gold loyalty member there. Obviously in order for you to send me, you know, all of my loyalty information, you have my email address, you know, all the purchases and how much money I've spent with you because I'm a gold member. And yet the first couple questions on your survey was, are you a loyalty member? And when was the last time you made a purchase? But on the flip side, <laughs> I'm there to there. I'm also there to say, Hey, this is what so incredible funny. customer experience looks like. Right. And it is that capability building that Starbucks has built. I call it from the inside out, mm. right? They start building all these capabilities internally in order for them to deliver great experiences externally. Yeah. And too many times, I think this is one of the things that's going to get and get me to my, to my next question is I think brands spend more time focusing outward in, right? So what are the, what, like, what is our PL? What do we have to report um, in our next quarterly earnings call? Right. And so we focus so much on these outward um, macroeconomic pressures, for example, and then expect all of our teams to just constantly react um, to this latest macroeconomic fire. Mm. And we have to quickly adjust um, because we don't want to miss a top line revenue number versus if I'm hearing you right, if we just put the right capability building in place, it's an ongoing thing. You're never finished. You have the right capabilities in place to weather any type of macroeconomic challenge. Yeah. Long-term. Well, I think it, it even goes beyond that, right? Capability building is, is obviously, I think it's important, but you also have to have the processes and the tools in place, right? I mean, people process tools that so we, we talk about that a lot. If you've got the people and you're building those capabilities, but you don't have the processes in place to actually in, influence and, and uh, inspire and empower those employees to actually continue providing great experiences, it, that capability building will fall. If you don't have the tools in place to enable them to do so similarly, right? I look at like, um, I forget where I, it might have actually been one of your posts, but, but Google. And I've read something about how, how Google has, I can't remember if it's like a like a, the second half of every Friday or some cadence, but there's some regular cadence that's published at the company where on a certain day for a certain number of hours, people put aside their actual day-to-day -day work and just focus on innovation, on thinking, on ideating, on, on focusing on the customer, right? On focusing on, on internally, how can we provide a better experience? And that is, to your point about firefighting, I think that's such an important thing, the idea, and it goes back to, to Gabor's conversation around maintaining that sense of child, almost like childish wonder and innovation and idea, yeah. like 
we, I think as, as a culture and specifically in organizations needs to do a better job of enabling people, giving people the space to put aside fires, to say, yes, it's, <laughs> that fire is important to get out, but we also need to focus on like the broader landscape around the fire to make sure that the future, that there aren't fires in the future, right? Yeah. Cause if you think about it, if we're always fighting fires and not building um, capabilities, then essentially what we're doing is we're creating a culture of always fighting fires and that yes. leads to employee burnout, right? It leads to the lack of engagement with employees because we're Can not we just really quickly them. acknowledge that you just had firefighting and burnout, which was, I'm not sure if you intended to use that, that language, but like the burnout I think was really, you give uh, me too much credit. You give me way funny. too much credit. Um, funny of you. Yeah. But you know me, like I have very dry humor, uh, puns are just not my thing. So, uh, but, but I think, right. We, we see this, um, what's, what's also really interesting. And I don't know if, if capability building ties to this or not, but everyone's talked about this great resignation, right. And everyone's leaving the organization and my level of thinking has been around what type of capabilities have we put into place that essentially up levels, not just your organization, but you up level your organization through the employees that are there accountable yeah. to innovating, accountable to creating, going back to your childhood curiosity. And, and I wonder in your mind, Tom, if, if, if companies started focusing more on capability buildings, yes, we're, we're talking about in this sense of, of customer experience, but I, I don't think of it as siloed CX, EX. I think about it as just experience capabilities. Great. Does that help with keeping employees inspired? Does that help with driving engagement? Does that help them retain their top talent? Because now you're consistently up-leveling them through capabilities, right? And um, design thinking and innovation and those types of things. I mean, let me pose a question back to you. Like when, when you think about the, the best organizations you've worked for, what incentivizes you to stay at those organizations? Yeah, great question. Um, and look, I just did it. I remember I said, oh, see, Boom. let's keep this, let's keep this conversational in a chat. I just said, great question. Um, you know, in my mind, it, it really comes down to purpose. Do I understand what the purpose of the organization is? Am I aligned to the mission, vision, and values? Because that's what truly keeps me engaged, right? Like we all know that there's going to be those seasons of hell and in, in the trenches and we're going to grind um, and I think what helps me get through the grind and what helps me get through those trenches and being more willing to jump in those trenches is if I'm personally aligned to the mission, vision, value, and, and, and purpose. And I think a lot of that is built through capability building, right? Yeah. Where we really start to understand the why behind why we're doing these things. And then we're enabling the organization through building these capabilities. Uh, and then I also feel like the brand's invested in me. Because they're helping me build new capabilities that maybe I didn't have when I first joined that organization. That's the one I was, I was looking for both of those answers, but 
I, you said, are you aligned to the organization? And I think oftentimes there's that, and that's super important. And that is obviously a really huge part of any capability building program is making sure that we're all rallied around a central vision. But beyond that, I think it's it's the sense that the organization is is aligned to you and to your values and your vision. And in in so many respects, if an organization is willing to invest in me, that tells me that this is a place that believes in me, that trusts me, that wants me to succeed. And that's a place that I want to stay, right? If I, if I am part of a, an organization where I neither can grow laterally, nor can I expand in terms of my scope and my knowledge and my capabilities, that's not compelling to me. I, I want a place yeah. that will support me to, to grow, whether that means up or if that just means grow myself. Yeah. Yeah, and I think this this hits on this next question I want to ask is really around, you know, so clearly, right? Not everyone in your organization needs to be an expert in experience. Mm -hmm. They don't need to be an expert in design thinking. I truly believe we all have our own superpowers. And the role of leadership is to help us tap into that superpower and then, you know, ele you know elevate it. So what do other team members in an organization need? You know, it's, I think it's kind of funny. We So in the last episode we talked, to, I, I said how the article that we published was coming back to basics. And I think in a lot of respects, that's something that is really just commonplace across the board is we need to get back to basics. And so what capability building often means, whether that's in a CX context or, or otherwise, is helping people to, to get back to the basics. And in, in a CX context, that means getting back to the basics of understanding others and empathizing with others. And so a lot of what we teach, whether it be on the front line or to executive leadership or, um, or to, to your finance person, your HR person, et cetera, isn't necessarily how to conduct deep ethnographic research. It isn't necessarily how to um, create a, a, a detailed pilot plan um, or how to think through your CX measurement systems. It's how do you empathize with the other? How do you get to know the other in a deep way, in a personal way to help them to achieve their goals? So this goes back to my kind of mission and purpose individually, understanding the other and, and, and really understanding people's motivations so I can create solutions to their biggest pain points. That's what we teach. That's what we actually need to, to get back to as, as full organizations is from the ground up, from, from executive leadership to frontline. How do we serve the people that we are dedicated to as an organization? Chatter by Stingray proudly presents Action This. Let's have a chat. Visit chatterresearch.com to try out our online feedback demo and experience the chatter effect. I call it the great onboarding, right? Others call it the great resignation where... You Dude, know, what a great it, opportunity right now, right? And, and so, so that's my question is when you think about when you think about this, right? Too many people want to say, we want to have transformation. And it's really like, you can only transform one time. And, and what we do know is, I, I, I don't think there's ever going to be a, an HR strategy out there anymore around hire to retire. Yeah. Like for, 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 for you and I, that might've been our parents' um, strategy, right? Where we're going to get a really good job. And then we're going to work there for 40, 50 years. We're going to build a steady retirement. We're going to retire from there and, and that's okay. 
I actually see us all as free agents. I see us all as we have really a good four to five, maybe six, seven years that we can give an organization and we've seen it, right? We will all have six to seven job changes in our lifetime right now, Mm -hmm. the current generations. And so when you think about that evolution and always evolving kind of free agency and looking at, at different organizations or jobs um, or even skill sets that we're going to need, how does capability be uh, capability building kind of being this always on every evolving with new cohorts of employees that come into your organization through the, the great onboarding, for example. Yeah. It, so it is tough to do that, that ongoing upskilling, right? It's really difficult because it means that you also, not only when, when I said investing in, in employees, it's actually a, a financial investment, right? You oftentimes need to actually hire a team who is just dedicated to that you have to you have to make sure that you're actually creating the incentives around making sure that you've got um experts in whatever you're trying to build capabilities who are willing to engage with on an ongoing basis um those people who are onboarding right so this is all about customer experience i'll just use that as an example you have to have an lnd team that is able to to uh to roll out these programs on an ongoing basis in a scalable way um, in a way that's going to work with the person's day-to-day job. And you have to be able to manage your internal, your existing internal people to bring in the right folks at the right times to lead some of these, these workshops or um, these coaching sessions, right? So you have to create the incentive, you have to create the structures, the processes to actually incentivize all of that, which is really difficult. Um, but also obviously very important. And, and I think, as I think back on, the organizations I've been a part of, the one consistent thread has been each of them have really taken the time to invest and to do that. And I think for that reason, yes, I've left Amazon. And yes, I'm sure at some point I'll leave McKinsey. But at the same time, I also at some point want to rejoin Amazon. And I'm sure after I've left McKinsey, I'll want to rejoin McKinsey. And that I think is the approach that both organizations have taken with their employees as well is they, they upskill their, their team members with the understanding that those people will leave and represent Amazon. I represented Amazon. I'd eventually, I'll represent McKinsey, right? And so they want to make sure that those people, that the products that, that the organization is creating their employees are representing them well in other organizations. And at the same time, they want to make sure that they get them to a place where when they leave their organization and jump to another company, they're jumping to a better role. And so that way they're able to, to stretch even further and grow even further so that when they come back to me as an organization, they're even better than when they left me, right? And they're even better than they could have been if, if they had stayed with me. And that's the point. I mean, we look at you, right? You've, you've done that in your career progression masterfully. And I, I think to a huge extent, that's why you are recognized in the industry as at such a young age, by the way, you're so youthful and vibrant. Uh, <laughs> all right all right thank you i love that you stayed silent for a second and then you realized i was joking you know you're old as hell uh but but at such a young age you have become like a true industry expert right and i think that couldn't have happened if you had stayed in one place you're very you're very very kind i um 
I couldn't find the mute button there for a second. But um, so I want to double tap on something because I think one of the key cross-functional stakeholders in this capability building process, and even in, in organizations today, is learning and development or your training and development team. But I also but I also feel like they're one of the last to be invited to the table. And I think they're also um, an organization that needs to be disrupted. They have to be innovated on. They never take a look at what are our customers giving us feedback on and, and how do we adjust you know, the behaviors that we're training. And then I also believe on the flip side, um, very few brands um, truly ask for feedback on one, just that shitty LMS two-week course that they put everyone through. And then two, they they don't look at, are we applying, are they getting feedback from their employees around, are we applying what we learned in these two weeks on LMS into our roles today and how impactful has it been? And so I'm curious in your mind, like from a capability building standpoint, right? You just mentioned we have to have L&D team members who um, can facilitate these workshops and help continuously build capabilities, but how do they do it if they're not truly ingrained in a culture? They don't, uh, and, it's, and you're spot on. I think in most organizations, L&D is almost looked at as, like a, as a vendor. Um, a as check a vendor the box. Word. Yeah, exactly, exactly, a check the box. And and so, and this is not meant to be, I'm, I don't want to offend anyone in L&D, because I, I, but it, it oftentimes it's just ineffective. It just is, because either you're trying to not be too, you're, you're trying not to impose learning development too much on these employees because you feel like, oh, they've got day-to-day -day jobs or you, you push too hard and you kind of lose and you don't get back to that. What do they actually need? What actually can I do to help these employees to, to achieve their goals? And that's the core function of L&D, right? Is to help employees to achieve their goals and thus the organizations. Yeah. I think Thomas has been such a fascinating conversation. You know, when you think about, um, capability building, especially around experience, customer experience, employee experience, whatever experience is, you know, there's probably some practitioners out there who are wondering, okay, this is great. Or they might be saying, Hey, this is coming from McKenzie, but has this actually worked? Yeah. <laughs> right. Have you actually seen experience capability building work? And can you, you know, give us just a high level overview of, you know, the stacked wins that it's been able to deliver. Totally. Um, so actually, uh, one of my clients, B2B client, agriculture, um, agricultural sector, they have this, um, this team that is, that is just dedicated to innovation. And you would think that an innovation team would, would have the capabilities and mindsets, the approaches in place where they'd be able to, to really just rock it, right. To just push this this already industry leader forward even even farther and even faster. Um, and we came in and, and we actually co-developed this program with them. Uh, so we're, we offer solutions that, that typically are based, are grounded in best practice, and then we try to actually make them come alive for each of our clients. In this case, though, we actually decided, hey, we want to actually kind of take this design thinking approach and really use it toward our capability building programs. And so we co-designed co it, which was really fun as a process. And as part of that process, we found that, that even this innovation team, um, again, going back to our previous conversation, and I'm sure you've heard this as well, but 
oftentimes you hear buzzwords and people rely on buzzwords to kind of come across and express expertise. I'm sure I've done it. I'm sure you've done it in this conversation. Um, and by relying on those buzzwords, a lot of times you, you lose sight of the core groundwork, that foundational element. And so in this case, that's what we found. We found that this innovation group really just didn't understand the, the basics and the fundamentals. And so therefore they weren't able to execute on a lot of the, these core competencies. So we came in and we, we ran this, this 16 week program. It was really long and it was actually, again, embedded into the day to day. So think like we, we train them on how to conduct really great quantitative and qualitative customer research. And then they have several weeks to go off and actually do it. Right. And then we come back together and, and, and work with them to synthesize all the research into persons, personas and journey maps. Um, first by teaching them what those look like and then by actually coaching them through the process of doing so. And as a result of all of that, um, as a result of all of those ideas, which by the way, they had never actually really conducted a great ideation session, never really understood how to do a great concept sprint. After the, all of that capability building, and even now today, it's been, it's been a long time, they, they still, as a business unit, every time that someone comes on board, they walk them through this same process and actually kind of take like a, a see one, do one approach um, to make it more sustainable for them. But sorry, coming back to your original question in terms of impact, they, as a result of that, um, they were able to identify, I think if I remember correctly number, it, it was astronomical, so I'm probably gonna get this wrong, but it was somewhere in the hundreds of millions of dollars of, of net new innovations that after actually going through the exercise of checking the feasibility and the viability from, from a business perspective, they were still able to validate all of this additional goodness that they were able to get to achieve, right? And then from there, going back to our previous conversation around prioritization, they've now actually executed on, on several of those, the highest priority ones that they were able to, to find. And it's got this deep backlog, of course, but, and I, I obviously am not gonna take full credit, but, but I think because of this capability building program that, that we developed with them and we rolled out with them, they were able to, to, to really just push the ball forward in such a huge way for the organization. And, and uh, I, I quoted those, those huge astronomical numbers, which is great, but also for the customer. And so I think the thing that I was most proud of in that is coming out of it, it is now a standard practice for them to involve the customer at every single stage in, in the design process, obviously starting with customer research, but even then when they go into ideation, now they literally pull customers into their ideation sessions. And they're actually prototyping. Now they, they do actually really test every single prototype that they, that they have with a, with a, test, with a customer. Um, and I think as a result, they've been able to just drive a number of innovations in a really quick timeline, um, which is just very cool to see, especially in a B2B context, which I think it's, it's easy to see the implications in a B2C context, right? It's easy yeah. to see in retail, but much harder to see in B2B. Tom, that's amazing. I, I love always hearing about success stories. I love hearing about brands who are willing to get uncomfortable in order to build new capabilities, especially around experience. And so I really appreciate you sharing. There's, there's no better note um, to end uh, a chat than on an incredible success story. So Tom, thank you so much for joining us, um, not just for this session, but the previous chat as well. Um, I always just enjoy the time um, that I get 
from you. And I know that you, I know that you have added just a tremendous amount of value to, you know, everyone who is listening and, and experienced professionals. So again, if you want to, if you want to connect with Tom, uh, to pick his brain more about um, capability building, feel free to reach out to him via LinkedIn. Um, a link to his LinkedIn profile can be found on chatterresearch.com. Click on podcasts, click on his handsome face. You'll see all the ways to get in touch with him. And Tom, again, thank you. And for everyone else, until next time, go blow some things up. <laughs> now that's a way to end an episode. And, and customer experience. Let me caveat that. Blow some things up in customer experience. Be a grungy badass. <laughs> That's right. Thanks for tuning in. For more on consumer insights and experience the chatter effect, visit chatterresearch.com.